Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. Okay, in our Bibles, I want you to go to Hebrews 12, verse 23. Paul beautifully set me up this morning without him realizing it for my introduction and where I'd like to go. There's some things I really need to communicate with us this morning, so please, please open up the ears of your heart this morning to hear what God has to say. And in Matthew, uh, sorry, Hebrews 12, 23, you, put, you, you turn there. I'm just going to read and put you back on the page for those who weren't here. We've been talking about getting into the boat. The word of the Lord came to us this year as a church to get in the boat and stay in the boat, but not only just to get in the boat, but to cross to the other side. The other side is what Christ is more important. So what's more important in Christ's heart is us getting to the other side. That means you have to leave. You have to travel in order to arrive. Amen? This is, though they were making a physical journey, there are spiritual implications to this. Every one of us has to leave a place at some time. Every one of us have to get into a boat to make a journey in order to get to the other side. And for the other side, for many of us, it's, it's completely something different for every one of us. Amen? But there is a there is a other side that God has got for us corporately. And when we say it's corporately, that means your individual life and my individual life should reflect what God's doing corporately. Do you understand that? It's not about you getting a word so you can do your own thing. In your doing your thing, it should corporately build the picture what God's saying. If you're doing something that God's not doing, then God didn't say it. You crafted your own way. Hello? So when the word comes, it's so that everybody can cross over, not just some. Everybody. So that what you're doing in your life and what God's doing with you on a personal level should reflect what God's doing with us on a corporate level. Yes? Because God isn't the God of confusion. God just can't be blessing you and all us lot get left out. God can't be blessing all us lot and only you get left out. There must be something wrong somewhere. And the issue is not always God. The issue is us. Well, the issue is seldomly. I should say, very rarely God. It's always us. So, Jesus told his disciples to get into the boat. And why did he tell them to get into the boat? Because partly, what he'd done on this side of the water had now finished. What God was doing with you this week, to some degree, has finished. It's continual. God is a continual God. Amen? So much of the church has not yet realized that God is finished with A, B, and C. You walk into many churches and it's like you go back 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. You go into many established traditional churches. It's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. It's like... That's what God did in a period of time, but they've stayed with that period of time. And they haven't realized that God is finished with that particular move. But we seem to think it's okay because we love God. God will always be there. No, he's not. He's moved. Because God is always on the move. His word is always moving. His word is always changing our hearts. Why? Because he's taking us to where he is. So, when he had finished with a crowd of people, he knew there was another crowd of people on the other side. 
So he knew in his heart there was still more work that his father wanted him to do. So he knew that he had to get to the other side. The disciples, you need to get into the boat to come with me to see what my father's doing. Amen. So when we get in the boat, we're seeing what our father's doing. But we're also doing what our father tells us to do. So then we can see our God working through what our God is telling us to do. It's important. So if you stayed with the last crowd, you're called history. If you are working where God is working, you're called news. Does that make sense? So much of the way we approach God is history. We don't approach God and make it news. God should be fresh every day. But if your approach to God seems to, seems to always be the same, then you'll only ever get the same portion. Do you understand what I mean? So this is why we have to keep breaking into new ground. Because God's mercy is fresh every day. It's new to us every day. There's always a new level we can enter into. In relationship, there should always... This is why so many marriages go stale. Because when they were young and they were fresh, they would, they would make every effort to keep the relationship fresh and exciting. True? And then familiarity comes in. And then now we just treat each other with familiarity and we don't put the spark. And then we need special days like Valentine's Day to all of a sudden to buy a box of chocolates, a bottle of champagne or whatever it is. And we hope that for one night we'll put the spark back in our eye. Man, it takes more than a bottle of bubbly and a box of chocolates to keep a woman's spark. Just like it takes more than a season ticket at Old Trafford. True? Because we're more than that. You can't pacify people just by buying them things. You can't, you know, you can't get to people. People have a heart. So God is like that. You can't, just, you can't just promise God and expect God to dance on your promise. God's not that kind of God. We dance on his promises. You know, God, I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. God says, no, what have I already seen tomorrow? I'm there. And you're not there. You've gone. But I'm still here. So many have experienced the last move, whether that was salvation, your salvation, whether it was your baptism in the water or whether it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was a move for you, but God's no longer there. You don't need to be baptized twice, do you? So the experience of water baptism was once. If you get another experience, it's because you're baptizing somebody else. So we need to know that we can't chase experiences. We, check, we, you know, we move into freshness. And Hebrews 12, 23 says, The church of the firstborn, we sang it this morning, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all men, and here's the thing I want to focus on, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. There's a time and a place where the spirits of righteous men are being made perfect perfect and the bible says that's as we enter into zion now right across this church in this season as we've been talking about entering into zion the first thing that god is going to focus on is the spirits of righteous men so god is going to deal with our unrighteousness so that we can become righteous so that the spirits of men will become righteous in god's sight we are the righteousness of god but God's cleaning us up every day through relationship. Amen? God deals with us 
in our spirit. That is the nerve center of our relationship. God is spirit and he's given us a spirit. Amen? So God deals with us and transacts with us in the spirit realm. This is why so much of church becomes religious because they bypass the spirit realm and they just deal with God on the natural realm. God is spirit. God is spirit. He took the form in his own son. He came as a man. Returned. But the man Christ Jesus is a man on the throne. He's a man. But his father is a spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit. What did he give you? He gave you a spirit guaranteeing an inheritance to come. God has put deposits inside of you which are spirit. Amen. We are spirit beings. Amen. So we individually all have a spirit, soul and body. Right now, it's a heck of a body. It's called a stallion. The latest model. 51 years of age, still going strong. You have a soul. Inside your soul is your mind, your will and your emotions. But then there is a spirit that you are not born with. It's given to you at the moment you receive salvation. That's called the recreated spirit. Now, this becomes the nerve center for your relationship. You need to understand how we transact with God. Amen? You need to understand this. If we're going to get in the boat and cross over, we need to understand where God deals with us. He is trying to make the spirits of righteous men pure. He will pursue you. He will pursue you. Why? He is bringing his children into greater levels of righteousness. Your spirit is being made perfect. We're not perfect. But he is bringing us into perfection. Do you understand that? So the excuses you had yesterday cannot be the continual excuses. Because he's bringing us in Zion. The spirit is the first place he deals with us. We transect with God in the spirit. You can come to church and just sing mechanically, but that isn't God. That's called us just singing. But inside, something has to be, something has to be generated. Something has to be connected. So when God speaks, he speaks to us on a level, on a frequency that can be received and understood. Amen? That's called the spirit, the recreated spirit of the believer. That's you. This is where you now do your face time with God. So as you begin to worship, your spirit now, you're on broadband, you're set up. This is where God, he gives you an email box where you receive all his messages. Where you can go in and dialogue and see what messages God is speaking to you. Amen? This is the place where you have the capacity now to receive all your downloads. Where you have images, you have audio files or word files of what he's speaking to us. It's all in the spirit. It's in the cloud. Your head's not in the cloud, but your spirit, that's, that's the great illustration to use. It's in the cloud. Amen? And God has set up this system where he dialogues and, and interacts and transacts with us in the spirit. 
our relationship isn't just physical. It's a spiritual relationship. If you want to make your relationship with Christ physical only, then you will end up into duty and tradition. Because you have nothing else left. What else is there? So people serve God. They clean the house. They do all kinds of things. They attend. And they think, well, God will honor me because I have served him. No, you haven't. You just kept a building clean. Nowhere in the Bible did he ever ask you to do that. They are the responsibilities of looking after a building. Don't make them spiritual. Well, I sang and I worshipped. Well, I did them. Great, you could have done that at home. But so many people, because they don't have a spiritual connection, they've only got a natural connection going. So now they make it duty and traditional. But I know you're not like that. Everything must pass through your spirit. Please hear me. Everything must pass through your spirit. Everything. Because this is where God now transacts with us. You see, if you let things of God pass through your soul, your soul will grab a hold of them and pollute it. Oh, you should have all said amen at that point. Your soul will distort what God's word is saying to you. Why? Because in your soul is where your pain is, where your prejudice are, where your hurts, where your likes and dislikes are. Your soul will always nullify God's word. True? God says something, you measure it now by your, your experience. So it can't be true. No, it's true because he said it. But your experience and your soul says, well, I've got a different experience. You've got an experience, but it's not the truth. That's your perspective of what happened. So someone hurts you. So now you say, hear me out a minute. So you get abused. Now that's a powerful, powerful impact for the, for the soul to, to have. So now some ladies say, all men are bad. All, some blokes will say, all mothers are bad. Now is that truth? Right. But the experience has soured them now to the point where all men or all mothers or all fathers are bad. It's true to them, but it's not truth. It's human truth. It's not God truth. Is that truth? So when it ever passes through your soul, we're in trouble. So many people try to hear God through their intellect and their minds. You do not hear God through your intellect and your mind. You receive God through your spirit. This is where so many people go wrong. When the disciple, when he said to the disciples, get in the boat, they received it in the spirit. There was no reason for them to keep following him. He met them one day and they followed him. They learned to, they learned to transact with God in the spirit. It doesn't have to make sense if you transact with God in the spirit. If you transact with God in the natural all the time, you'll always need an explanation. And this is where faith takes you out the natural. Because it's based on things that are not seen. But evidence, evidence on the things that are hoped for. Why are they hoped for? Because the eyes of your spirit have seen them. Is this helping you? You don't transact with God in the natural. God is spirit. So because the moment you transect with God in the natural, you will always bring God down to the natural. 
You will always expect God to deal with you on the natural level. Be a father to me. Be a husband to me. Be a wife to me. Touch me in that area that my husband never touched me. God says, I can't. It's the wrong question. You cannot expect me to come down to where you are. You come up to me. I've given you the keys. You have to transact with me where I am. Because where I am is pure. Where you are, you're distorted and polluted. True? So we need, so many of us want God to deal with us on our level. And he can't take you out the mess because you will only ever deal with him on your level, on your terms. God says, me, God, you not. I created you. So that when we say, well, God, if you love me, you will pursue me. He says, no, stop thinking like a baby. That's not the way we work. We are spirit beings. We are human beings having a spiritual experience. Amen? So every time, see, every time God transacts with you, you must need to bring, and I must bring, my mind and my will into line with accordance with him, with what the Spirit's saying. That's why it says, he was an ear, what kind of ear? Spiritual ear. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So there's two types of hearers. There's the natural hearer and the spiritual hearer. Some are not designed, set up, configured to hear God in the Spirit. They only hear him through the dimension of the natural hear, the hearing. What did he say? What did he say? I didn't quite hear him. Everything's a natural it's amazing I can say one thing and you hear something different in your spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking on multi-levels. True? But your spirit is made alive on the inside to receive that level. I'm hearing it. I'm in a meeting, listening to one guy speak. It wasn't particular, you know, enthralling. He wasn't shaking the world. And I was listening to him as he spoke. I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, like it was like a javelin coming right across the room. It was such an impact. Call the church the dream center. He wasn't even saying that. But that's what I heard from his mouth. The Spirit of God spoke to me. I knew it was God. I knew it wasn't him. But as he's speaking, it gives the Spirit room to keep transecting with his people. That's why there has to be a man on the ground to keep speaking. So he can hit many levels. If we all receive God on one level, all we need is intellect. True? So God is dealing with us on multi-levels. And every time an unclean spirit or a temptation or a pressure to hit you comes, it tries to hit you in your spirit. It comes to you, it, it tries to get into your soul. That's why but if it gets into your soul, it tries to pollute your spirit. That's why sickness is such a bad thing. Why? Because it has the potential to shut the spirit man down. What's the last thing you feel like doing when you're sick? So you get so overwhelmed in the flesh. Oh, I feel rough. Lord, I haven't got any energy to open my Bible. And you might be physically weak. You may be physically weak. Certainly if you're in a hospital bed. But the moment you shut down in your flesh, your spirit cannot. Once you shut down and your flesh is screaming, it tells the spirit, we don't want to bother with you today because we're not feeling well. Like it's saying, you need our permission 
for you to, act, to be activated. True? And who wins? Nine times out of ten, the flesh wins. But here's, here's the issue. Are you ready for this? If you're smart, you'd write this down. If you get wounded in your flesh, in your soul, you can be restored. You can be restored. In, if the soul gets hurt and damaged, you can be restored. Because many of us in here had a witness to that. But if your spirit gets damaged, the chances are you're gone. Because your soul can never fix your spirit. But the spirit fixes your soul. It's not the other way around. And so many people who are wounded in the soul, right? What most people don't realize is that when they're wounded, they can fix themselves. It needs an unpolluted spirit to fix your polluted spirit. I've learned that the hard way. Because we want to fix things ourselves, but we cannot fix things ourselves. Why? Because we have been distorted. Everybody understand that? So it takes an unpolluted spirit with a different perspective to come in and speak into your wilderness. And bring their water into your oasis. True? But many of us don't think that. We think we can fix it on our own. You cannot. I'm here today because I've let other people speak into my life. And there are some things that God expects me to fix on my own. But there are things I need help. True? If you look deep enough into the relationships you've got, you'll find faults. Does your soul then, certainly in a marriage, your soul tries to fix them. And you know, nine times out of ten, you, they say, back off. Leave me alone. True? True? And those who won't be told end up normally being on their own. Those who will listen end up Going from glory to glory. But once the soul is injured, the spirit can minister to the soul. But if the, if the spirit is wounded, what's going to speak to the spirit? It takes another spirit. It, chances it won't be yours. And at nine times out of ten, a different spirit comes and speaks. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's a demonic spirit. And now it comes to justify the way you're feeling. Now it comes to give credence. It's your greatest supporter. And it backs up everything. Everything seems logic and justifiable. True? I know I'm not talking to anybody who's ever witnessed that. And it tells you, it's okay to keep hurting that person. It's okay to keep hating that person. It's okay to keep doing what you're doing. Why? Because it's justifying your behavior. That's how we know it's not from God. Because everything that's from God brings, listen, brings everything that's in darkness into the light. If your spirit's polluted, you're in darkness. But it takes another spirit to bring, help you, bring what's dark in you into the light. Is this helping you? Now, if you go to Psalm 51, we'll see a man who got shut down in his soul. Who got hurt in his soul. Who got wounded in his soul. Who sinned against God in his soul. But his language is so ahead of his time. He understood that the way you transact with God is not in the soul. 
He understood something that most of us today still haven't understood. And he says, create in me a pure heart, oh God. Now, where's your heart? Where's your heart? It's inside. Is it flesh? Of course it is. But David understood that there's a spiritual heart as well as a physical heart. And David understood that if he was going to be restored in his soul, there needs to be some spirit therapy. Does that make sense? <coughs> you see, God forgives your behavior, but restores you in the spirit. God forgave David's behavior because he was an adulteress and he was a murderer. And that means if you're a murderer, you're a liar. So everything that he had going for him as a king, murderer, liar, cheater, all those kind of things, all them were physical things, were they not? So when he's, as he's repenting, he's realizing that, yes, I need forgiveness, but it's not so much physical forgiveness, he needs spiritual forgiveness, because his conscience needs cleaning. True? So physically, there's nothing you can do There's no amount of detergent that can clear or cleanse your conscience. True? Jif won't do it. Daz won't do it. Any washing powder won't do it. It has to be spiritual transaction. So he needs his conscience cleansing. Inside. Now listen, when the soul speaks, hear me? When the soul speaks to you, all it ever does is condemn you. And you think that's God's way of, re- of you coming to repentance. Listen, let's get the Bible inside you. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who don't follow after the flesh. So, that, so God no longer condemns you. God does not condemn. He says to the woman who was caught in adultery, just like we're going to see David in a minute, where are those who accuse you? Where are those who condemn you? She says, they're not here, my Lord. He said, neither do I. But go away and sin no more. He cleansed her in a, in a spiritual conscience. She needed to, when she finished the whole deal, she needed to feel that she was cleansed inside. And his words carried life. So, he did not condemn her. But the enemy of your soul, Satan, will always bring condemnation. That's how you know it's not God. God doesn't condemn. If you are spirit, you will have a conscience about what you've done. Inside your conscience, you know you've done wrong. There's a difference between being guilty and being aware of it than being condemned. Condemned means you're finished. God doesn't want to speak to me again on it. The issue is closed. Guilt means I need to find a way of getting my guilt dealt with. We do that through repentance. But condemnation is different. Condemnation is, like, is a sentence. We condemn you to 30 years in hell. A life in hell. So, he says, create in me a pure heart, O God. So that might sound a physical. No, but he's realizing that in his heart he has sinned against God. Then he says, and renew a steadfast. So where does he need restoring? Has everybody seen that? He needs restoring in his spirit. Because in his spirit, there is a conscience. You have a spirit conscience. 
What does the conscience tell you? It tells you that which is from, that which is from God, he verifies. Hello? He's the filter. He's the one who tells you this is from God. He takes from my father and makes it known to you. I will leave you a counsellor, Jesus said. The counsellor is the Holy Spirit or the comforter. And he will take from us and make it known to you. How does he make it known to you? In your conscience and in your spirit. Hello? He bypasses the humanity and deals with what is installed inside of you. So he says, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. So he realizes everything's in the spirit realm. He's seen this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. How do I, how does he return the joy? In your spirit. He He cleanses your conscience. He puts you in alignment with God. So then you're free to feel God's presence. When you feel God's presence, there's a joy and a peace. Joy isn't laughter. Because the Bible says joy and laughter. Joy is a contentment that everything inside me is together. And it's aligned. And it gives me an, it gives me an inner peace. Amen? There's joy and laughter and there's joy. Then he says this. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It doesn't say give me a new heart of flesh. He says grant me a spirit that will sustain me. Keep me in the race. Keep me getting in the boat. Keep on getting in the boat. Because there'll be many times you have to get out of one boat to get in another boat. Because not all boats go to the same destination. True? One vehicle doesn't take you everywhere. Unless it's the new tram. The thing is, is constantly you have to keep getting in, getting out, getting in, getting out to cross to the other side. There's many other sides. In your destiny and journey in God, there'll be many, many other sides. Because each side has got a different facet of God waiting for you. But you have to get out of one boat to get in. But how does God deal with us in the boat? He deals with us in the spirit. And he has to give us a steadfast spirit. May I be so bold this morning to say to you as a, a group of people, many of you need a steadfast spirit. Many of you keep struggling in the same areas and I've got my hands up. Many of us need a steadfast spirit. That was a revelation that I had a long time ago that I kept praying. I kept thinking, it's my job to keep clean and righteous. But then I realized, but God, I can't do it. And then I read this psalm. And this psalm spoke to me, said, if David can ask for it, so can you. And it was a, it was a weight off my shoulders. God, grant me, give to me a spirit. That will sustain me. Tony needs keeping safe from himself. Because Tony can destroy himself. He's pretty good at it. So he says this. If you give me a willing spirit to sustain me, then I'll teach transgressors your ways. So now I'm going to take it from me and I'm going to impart it into other people. It's not going to stay with me. It's going to be progressive. Why? Because the truth and revelation that you've given to me, I'm going to make it known to others, which is going to bring me on to something else. So stay tuned. Then I'll teach transgressors and your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O Lord. He realized his own flesh was killing him. O God, the God who saves me. 
and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. The Lord, Lord, he says, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. So he's in the natural again. You do not delight in sacrifices or I would bring it. So he knows the, the natural is not what God's dealing with him on. He's not transecting with him on a, le- a natural level. Offerings, bells and smells, incense and nonsense, he's no longer needed. So he says, if, if I thought these things would, would get me clean and get me sustained, I'd do it tomorrow. I'm the king, I can order all these things. But Lord, I know you don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. Just like you don't take pleasure in someone who's got duty and tradition. Yeah? The sacrifices of God are what? Everybody read for themselves. A broken spirit. And a broken and contrite heart. God cannot deal with you unless he deals with you in the spirit. So much of our prayers is mental prayers, a shopping list. Yeah, God, I've left me requesting. Deal with that. I'll get back to you tomorrow. So much of our prayers is keep asking God to deal with the same things over and over and over and over again. God deals with you before he deals with all all things around you. When was the last time you became willing for God to break your spirit? Now, here's the difference. When people break your spirit, that's called human tragedy. But when God breaks your spirit, it's called restoration. Hello? He created it clean and pure. He gave it to you. Then he is what they call a repristinate restorer. He can restore it back to the maker's original design and settings. But he has to break your spirit. He has to do it. A broken and contrite heart. Genuine. Sincere. 100%. God has to do it. You say, well, you said to me before that you can't fix it on your own. Just me and God. Yeah, but God uses other people. To break your spirit. Because you're going to wait a minute. You need confrontation. Oh, I know you love this. Listen, it gets even better. You do not delight in sacrifice, I will bring it to you, or take a pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. That's what every one of us needs. A contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. In other words, you won't shove me out of your presence if I bring those two things. But then he says this. Your good pleasure, in your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Listen. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then therefore, so that then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Where is it? In Zion. As he brings us to Zion, now David was living in Zion, the natural Zion. But David caught a glimpse in the spiritual Zion, everything has to be reconfigured. It's no longer natural burnt offerings. There has to be something higher That God has to deal with our hearts. True? You see, the offerings was a way of just keeping God at a distance so that God wouldn't judge them. We are not fearing judgment anymore. God has taken away judgment. We've been judged. We've already been judged. At Calvary's cross, we were judged. We are no longer judged no more. 
but the spirits of righteous men are now being made perfect. That's not the same as judgment. We've got continual forgiveness as we keep learning and keep submitting our lives and transacting with God in the spirit, keep getting in the boat, keep leaving this side to get to the other side. There is forgiveness ongoing. True? There's mercy. There's grace. But when we stay in one area or keep doing the same thing over, God cannot transact with us at that level because God has finished. The old order, the old pattern is finished. That's why David was in the old order, but his heart was moving towards the new. Every day David would see sacrifices, but every day David realized that they no longer is what God wants. There needs to be a new transaction with God as we cross over. We need to realize the way you keep coming to God has to change. Take me higher, Lord. Take me up, Lord. Take me in, Lord. As we see Zion in our hearts, there's a different cry to transact with God in a different level. True? It's all done on the altar. You see, once your spirit or your soul, once your soul gets hit by all kinds of temptations, greed, unrighteousness, all kinds of things enter into your soul. Do they not? And then you create a behavior. And that behavior ends up becoming perverse. And it, can, and it, and it brings death to your soul. True? Spiritual death takes place before physical death. Because we are spiritual beings. Some people, some believers are spiritually dead. Where others are alive. It's the same God. He still loves us. But some have stopped and have parked their bus And they stay on that side and they will not move. Some people refuse to keep on letting us train them and taking them further and further and further. If you're a new believer, you'll never learn this thing. You'll never go, you'll never develop a relationship with Christ just by casual listening. Your spirit is now where you now have to transact. You need help to transact. Hey, we weren't born knowing this thing, was we? So, how do we Get challenged. How do we move from one state to the other? Well, normally, we need a confrontation. We need a Holy Ghost confrontation. That pillar in this church will always be an altar to me. Where Don sat right now. It was an altar. Why? Because that's where my arrogance and my pride came to an end at that that, that pillar there. As the pastor's wife grabbed hold of me, and told me what she thought of me, and what she saw in me, she was nailing me to the cross. She was crucifying me. Right? And she, and she highlighted what was in my soul. Now, you have no right to talk to me like that. Could have been the reply. But everything she was saying, it was truth. She didn't say it with a smile on her face. But guess what? It was still the truth. And then she brought the end of Tony... Oh, that was the beginning of the end of Tony there. And I entered into a spirit relationship and a revelation that set me on a new path. I left the old side. There. Confrontation. Now, some of you don't want that. In fact, we all don't want it. But guess what? I needed it. I thank God. And I told her. In fact, if you were here at the Jubilee, I brought them back. And I publicly acknowledged what she did and thanked her for it. Why? Because to me, I crossed over. I wanted to punch her lights out when she did it. I'll be honest. But she was right. 
And some of us don't want that kind of confrontation. We run away. But she carried the word of life. Ooh. And I would not be here today. And I'm not even sure my marriage would be in place. If I would, have listened, if I would not have listened. Why? Because in my soul I felt justified to do that. But something higher was taking hold of me. And until someone sits down with you and speaks the truth in love, in love, right? You'll never, ever move out of your comfort zone. Oh, you know I'm right. You see, the more people set up, are set up to receive everything in the soul, the intellect, the mind, and the will will always, always take over. We're not, we, we, we are not advocating that you throw your brain out. Please understand that. Listen to what I am saying and what I'm not saying. I'm saying that we are spirit beings. God speaks to us. Of course you need your mind. Of course you need intellect. Of course you need to improve yourself, better yourself. But that's not the way God transects with us. Transects, I means by communicate. So then we see in John chapter 6. I'm glad you asked me to turn there. John chapter 6, verse 52. So Jesus brings the challenge. He brings the confrontation to the establishment. And inside of us, there is religion in every, in every one of us. Now, I know you don't think there is, but I'm telling you now, there's religion in every, in every one of us. And it takes the Holy Spirit to show us, stop thinking like that, Tony, that's religion. I know you all feel sanctified, washed and cleansed in the blood. You're all now charismatics, charismuppets, whatever you want to call yourself. And you now, you know, you've moved away from the old order. I don't do this, but I'm telling you, religion's in every one of us. And Jesus sees this and he, and he comes to challenge their educational, intellectual, philosophical, religious institution. And there's a bit of that seed in every one of us. So then he said, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. Why? Because he confronted them. How can this, how can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink the, his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your fathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. Now that was hard for them to receive. This makes him sound like he's a cannibal. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. What the heck is he purporting here? What is he trying to teach them? If he wanted to rattle a cage, he succeeded. He truly rattled their cage. Why? Because what they didn't understand was this, like many of you don't understand, that God was announcing to them, what you boys have got on the earth is now over. I am the bread. I am the life. My blood is, is what needs to be spilled out for all the nation. 
You no longer can come to me and my father through continual blood sacrifices. I will become the sacrifice for you. Guys, I'm changing the system. I'm upgrading the system. In fact, boys, I'm bringing, I'm making a statement today that you are now finished. You're all made redundant. I'm letting you all go. Why? Because we're taking the church to a global franchise. Oh, by the way, boys, you lot are not in charge. And he was challenging them about his life, who he was, where he came from, what he was going to do. And their institution and their minds could not grasp that this was a new day. And you know what? If we're all honest, we'd have all felt the same. Why? Because the system tells you how to think. True? Though there are two crowds in this story, as we continue to read, and here's the issue. Jesus was speaking truth, was he not? But it wasn't always perceived as what he was speaking was truth. Some of them wanted to stone him. But there was a group in there who listened to him, and the more he spoke, they believed. Read the story. The more he kept speaking... The more they believe. That's why someone must keep speaking on the earth. So that people can come into understanding. You see, if you're set up in the spirit, listen. How many of you know when you get a computer, your computer is factory installed and the software is good to go? But do you know how to operate it? Right, so the problem is not the software, is it? The problem is the operation. So then you have people who come and bring you IT and give you training. How to use it. Press that icon. Press that icon. True? I just want to be able to speak to it and tell it, just do it. But it doesn't work like that. So then you're clicking here, clicking there, clicking there, clicking this, clicking that. And you're hoping that everything you click is going to work. But you need to know how to work this software. True? It's the same being a Christian. All the software is loaded. But you still need help how to run it. True? How do I hear God? What, God speaks? Are you all nutters in there? Are you all hearing voices in your head? These are, these are natural questions. What do you mean that God spoke to you? What's wrong with me? I didn't see him. Where? Where did he speak to you? All these things. Jesus spoke to some people, but some people didn't understand, and some people did. I'm going to show you why in a minute. Though we are all hearing the same man speak, we are not all hearing the same word spoken. That was so good, I'll give you that one free. Though we are all hearing the same man speak, we are not all hearing the same word spoken. And there, my friend, is the problem right there. And why is that a problem? Because people are not set up in the spirit to receive what the spirit is saying. Others are in the natural. And you know what? Let's not get so spiritual to think that they're in the natural and I'm in the spirit. At any one morning or any one given day, you choose which one you're going to be in. True? Well, I've just got up. You can't expect me to be in the spirit. Yes, I can. Well, I just got up about quarter past ten. Rolled out of bed, rolled into church. Guess what? Your fault. Don't expect us to come down to the natural. Because we got up at nine o'clock or eight o'clock. Well, some of us did. Jesus rose on the third day. See, you had three days lying. Though we're all hearing the same man speak, we're not all receiving the same word into our spirit. Because some will hear and listen, 
where others will feed on that which they've been feeding upon all week. True? Here's the issue. You ready for this? During our prayer and fasting, God spoke to us quite clearly and prophetically about there was a portion being given to us. Does anybody remember it? Clearly, God was speaking to us about there was a portion of meat that God was giving to us. Now, here's the thing. If you are not configured and set up to receive God in the spirit, you can never have your portion. You feed, your portion comes from what you receive in the spirit. Is that, can you understand that? So what God is speaking to me, there's a portion. God's speaking to us all, is he not? So we've already said before that as I'm speaking, God is speaking to you on multi-levels. True? So what you hear and what you receive can sometimes be different, but they are connected. True? Right. So as you receive that and you say, this morning, that word hit my spirit and made me alive. Right, now you feed off that portion. That's the word you take home. You feed on that portion. Now you might need to get the CD so you get the whole context. True? But what we want to do is this. We hear the word. We just want, when I was a kid, never wanted the broccoli. I just wanted the roast potatoes and the sausages. Right? So what we do as Christians is this. <clears throat> when we hear the whole word being preached, we just want the sausages. But you've got to take the whole thing. Because the whole thing, the portion you got excited you. And it encouraged you. And it fed you for a while. But the whole context is what sustains you. The context is what brings you into understanding. So you consolidate what you've received. If we just keep living on sweeties all the time, we have bad teeth. True? I could feed my granddaughter on sweeties all day long. She's not, she will not resist. She will not resist. <coughs> And you know how we're going to know her teeth are falling out when she opens her mouth? Just like so many Christians, it's not until you open the mouth you realise what decays inside them. True? These are all free, you can have these. Truth, my friend, is the start. But then we go into progressive truth. God is all truth. So if God is all truth, is the, is the truth there, 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 and there. But for you to know what's over there, you have to progress. True? This is where we get, this is where we stop. We get bogged down in the soul. We stop progressing. So we never reach the other side. We never go the full way. Because we will not let God deal with us in the boat. So we never know what is in his heart over here. But he says to us, guys, I need to call you because I can see where you are. I need to call you from over there to bring you over here because over here is a far spacious place for you. But you're so caught up over here and how it makes us feel that we refuse to progress. True. What God did with us here is finished. We expect God to be new every day, but us stay the same. True? When Jesus challenged this crowd, he was bringing them progressive truth. He did not bring them historical truth, but 
many, many, many times he would use historical truth to bring understanding as to why progressive truth was there. True? So when he would talk about him and his father, he would often use their thinking and what Moses would say or Abraham would say. But he would use it then to, to, to say that they spoke of me. They were always progressive. They were looking forward to me and my moment. Now my moment's come. You brain dead suckers still can't understand it. Because you're not set up in the spirit to receive it. Everything comes through law, tradition and intellect. And philosophy. True. And this is why whenever you get a man arguing like that with you. If you're in the spirit you can counteract his argument anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Jesus did it all the time. So did Paul. True. If you start debating with people. It now becomes their amount of knowledge versus your amount of knowledge. And then they say, well, we'll just have to disagree. We'll have to agree to disagree. True? So no one won. We just played educational table tennis. But when you can bring the word of God into the situation and bring a current progressive revelatory word, you can change the whole scenario. You see, Jesus could always turn around and listen to what they were all saying and then deal with the man individually and say, yeah, but inside your heart, you, you were adulterous this week. He always knew how to get the attention and deflect the whole issue. Why? Because he was a man who was always dealing with current. His father would say, talk with him at that level. And guess what? When you can talk to somebody at that level, they lose their argument. Now you've, got, you've made it. How do you know that? True? And you've moved them off their one place of safety. How unsafe were they? If one word can destabilize them. True? So, John 6. Just finishing off now. Oh, I wish I had more time to do this. John 6, 46. And this, I'll power down. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Not I could be. Not I might. I am. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert. History. Yet they died. Facts. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven. Progressive. True. Which a man may eat and not die. Whoa, controversial. I am the living bread. Statement. That came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Promise. The bread is my flesh. In other words, DNA. Which I will give for the life of the world. This was powerful. It was progressive. He was smashing the snot out of a system. He was trying to say, boys, the boat's leaving in five minutes and you lot are going to get left behind. Why? Because Judaism has come to an end. It's now the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. Now I've come to bring the message of my father's kingdom. We're not talking about Israel now. We're now talking about, by the way, boys, you're not even... You're not even the primary people anymore. I'm going to go over to this crowd to make you lot jealous. 
Read your Bible. That's what he says. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. That's anyone who's not a Jew. Why? I'm going to show my love. And we're going to be celebrating. We're looking at you. <laughs> you lot ain't got this. You had it, but you blew it. Hopefully in, in the aim that they'll get so jealous, they'll cry out for it. And they'll change their ways. So, shut me pad down. Here's the bottom line. With this, we'll stand and pray. You will never, ever, ever leave your soul and cross into the spirit unless you have a revelation. Revelation is what takes you on a different journey. A revelation. Now I've got a load of stuff I want to talk to you about on receiving this revelation. Because I'm convinced many of you are hearing this message on getting into the boat and you are hearing it naturally, but you have not yet received it in the spirit. And that's okay. We'll keep on speaking. We'll keep on speaking until the revelation hits. And you should be praying, Lord, if our pastor keeps speaking about this, it must be something worth listening to. Because you keep speaking to him about it. So if God keeps speaking to me about it, it's worth us listening to. Amen? So you now have to ask God for the same revelation that I'm getting. The importance, the urgency, how we need to be set up in the spirit. That must become your prayer. Because if you're still in the natural, guess what? Some of us are going to get in the boat and some of us are not. Now we both received the same word, did we not? But like I said, there's two groups of people hearing are setting up. Though we both hear the same man speak, we are not all receiving the same word. Why? Because it's clear that we're not all set up in the spirit. Now I know some of you have good behavior and your behavior camouflages your incorrect behavior. Because we've learned to behave inside church. We all know how to raise our hands. In case any of you didn't know, lesson one, over. Now you don't need a lesson two. True? It's so easy to raise our hands, close our eyes, and just join in with the crowd. The fact that you all kept quiet knows you've all done it. We've all done it. Of course we have. So we all close our hands, and we all behave, and we all look the same. But guess what? Our behavior's not. It doesn't con anyone. Because the truth is, when we're all in worship, no one's watching you anyway. You're not that important. You're not that important. Why would I want to watch you worship? My eyes are on him. Why would you want to watch me worship? Sad. Get the video. The issue is this, is we can all learn to camouflage our dysfunctions. But once we get a revelation and we get the confrontation, gives us a revelation... Then we realize that the voice behind the confrontation was not so much there because he's against me. It's because he's trying to get me from one side to the other. It actually now becomes a very constructive voice rather than a destructive voice. But we have to have maturity to understand that. But nevertheless, confrontation must come. It's not the spirit is not to be confrontational. Do you understand that? I don't like saying some things, but I know I have to say them. This is not the, listen, if you ever want to be popular, don't get behind here. Seriously. This is not the place for popularity. 
When you say things, you have to say them and let the Holy Spirit deal with it. I do not say it with malice in my heart. God knows that. And I want you to know that. God says these things to us so we, we can express his heart. True? Anybody knows when I, when I put this microphone down, you can all approach me. Hopefully none of you have a bad experience through talking with me. If you do, see my wife. Seriously. Bring me into account if I deal with you badly. Talk to me about it. True? Come on. Because guess what? If you talk to me bad, I'm bringing you into account. So the issue is, is confrontation is a part of ministry. Every week isn't confrontation. But, you know, I feel in my spirit that we are hearing this wrong. We are set up. There's two crowds set it set up. One's not here. One's not hearing it in the spirit. The other one's hearing it in the natural. Well, that is the same person. But there's another group who's hearing it in the spirit are taking it. Amen. So I want you challenge this week, my church, my my desire for you, church, not my church, church, is for you to seriously ask God to give you a revelation of progressive truth. For you to say, to, to ask God, God, give me the same revelation. Give me the peace. Give me my portion to start me on this journey. Give me my portion that will enable me to leave one place and get in the boat to travel to the other side. Give me the assurance, oh God, that you're working with me. Keep speaking to me. But Lord, I realize that my spirit needs to be dealt with. Create in me. Go to Psalm 51. Create in me. Learn the lessons of David. He fouled up in the natural, but he needed help in the spirit. Let's stand to our feet, please. I really trust that this is help and he's helping you. We deal with God in the spirit realm. We must, must, must understand this church we must understand this you know i will take this message with me when i travel into australia because i know this is the word i know this is the word this is the word to us and to our network get in the boat cross to the other side it's my job to get understanding of what all that means true and then make it relevant to us your job then is to respond to the holy spirit not respond to me, respond to the Holy Spirit. And by using Psalm 51, praying this week, Lord, give me that revelation. Consolidate where I am, Lord. Take me from one side. Take me from one side to the other. And I don't know anyone spiritually who's ever got from one side to the other without other people helping them. I don't know one. Even Jesus needed his father. You're not Jesus and you're not his father. So let's raise our hands if we will. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.